We should also, as was mentioned, uh, keep those in our prayers that are away from us at this time that will be traveling. And I'm thankful that the day turned out to be as beautiful as it is. Uh, expecting some really bad weather, but it turned out to be pretty nice so far, it looks like. And so we give God all the glory and all the praise for all of that. It's also uh, the day that, of the year that's known as Father's Day, which definitely takes a back seat to it being the Lord's Day. But since it is Father's Day, I want to talk to the fathers a little bit uh, this morning. So our lesson text is going to be 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. And we will be in the book of 1 Thessalonians for this lesson uh, most of the time. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. The Bible says, As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. And so this morning we want to talk for a little while about some traits of a good father. Traits of a good father. And as you read the book of 1 Thessalonians, it is amazing when you start picking this out, how that Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica and he used the analogy of a father with his children to express his affections for them. And so think about Paul not having ever been married, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8. Uh, so most likely if he was never married, he didn't have children. So he was not a father. But he had a father. Acts chapter 23, verse 6. He said, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. So what that means is you do not have to be a father to, to, and have children to know how to be a good father because you can see it by those examples around about you, but most of all, you can know how to be a good father by studying the Word of God because it definitely teaches us how to be a good father. Now, from time to time, you hear people say, well, you know, uh, God gave us these children, but He didn't give us an instruction manual. You know, really nothing could be further from the truth. According to what Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 through 17, when he said, talking about Timothy, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works or every good work. In other words, in this book, uh, we have all the instructions we need on how to be good fathers. We will read about all the traits of a good father in this book. And to, today, we will look at many of those traits just in the New Testament, in the book of 1 Thessalonians, uh, pretty much exclusively. And so, today we will study uh, from that book. I would like to say uh, to each of you fathers, I hope that you have a great Father's Day. Uh, and being a father, uh, I know the joys that come from having children, the joy that they bring us but also the great responsibility that's been placed upon us as fathers, as leaders of the home, that we should not uh, take them lightly. Several years ago, I did a study on fatherless homes, and I was a little bit surprised at 
some of the statistics that I found, which, uh, you know, the way it is with statistics, a lot of times you can't get any current ones, so you have to go back a few years to find some. But as a, most of them do not change a whole lot. So you still have the general idea. And so this is some of the things that I found about fatherless families that helped me to realize how much we need good, godly fathers in our homes. 85% of children in juvenile prison are raised in a fatherless home or in fatherless homes. 63% of teen suicides come from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles from fatherless homes are in some kind of state institution. 71% of teen pregnancies are from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. 75% of children in chemical abuse centers are from fatherless homes. 90% of runaway and homeless children are from fatherless homes. And so that kind of helps us to realize how important that it is that we have good fathers in, in all the homes, that fathers step up to their responsibilities and do what they are supposed to do as fathers and leading families down the straight and narrow way that leads to heaven above. Many families have fathers in them, but really for all practical purposes, they're still fatherless. What I mean by that is, there are some fathers that are always working. They're what we call workaholics. They're busy. And sometimes we will justify that by saying things like, I want my children to have it better than I had it when I was growing up. I want them to have more than I had when I was growing up. And what we mean is by that, we want them to have bigger houses, more expensive cars. We want them to have fancier clothes, a name brand, all those things. Which really children, that's not really what they want. Not like they want a mother and a father at home to fulfill their roles and to love them the way God would have them too. Some choose not to be involved in the lives of the children. They just don't want to do that. Some do not know how to be involved. There was a study done several years ago by the Harvard University, and this is what they found. On average, fathers spend less than 37 seconds a day of meaningful interaction with their children. Now, that's hard to believe because that's not a lot of time. But on average, meaningful time, meaningful conversation. Children need much more than that from their fathers. And, of course, I hope and pray that we are giving them much more than that. So, when I think about this book that Paul uh, wrote, guided by the Holy Spirit, to this, this church, Paul had some very special and precious memories of the days that he spent with this, little, this infant church. It really was a, new, a young church. And in every line of this epistle, one can see how he lovingly labored with them as a father with his children. You know, when we labor for our children, it's not really like labor at all, is it? It's something we enjoy doing. It's something we want to do. It's not really a sacrifice. It's not a burden, even though it takes time sometimes. Today we will learn some traits. By that I mean some qualities or some features or some attributes, characteristics 
of a good father from Paul's first letter to the church at Thessalonica. And so the first trait that we want to talk about is a good father prays for his children. Prays for his children. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2. Paul said, We giving thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. So, Paul, as a, you know, with this analogy, father-child relationship, Paul is praying for them as though they were his children. And he's praying for all of them. Another passage is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, where Paul wrote, For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sake before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see you face, uh, your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. And so we see Paul, as any loving father would do, he's praying for his children. He's praying night and day. You know, I've told you before, and I, I still believe it's the case, that I didn't really learn how to pray until my my daughters started leaving home. And when they started going off to college, they started leaving home, then I realized that I was no longer there with them to oversee and to protect and to guide them. Of course, I learned that we had to really tr trust in our training that we had put in them all the days of their lives up to that time. But still, I felt somewhat helpless and hopeless when my girls went off into this big, gigantic world. And I was not there to be with them the whole time. But I learned that God will be with them. And I needed to pray. And so we pray. We should pray all the time, mentioning our children in our prayers. We should pray for their safety. We should pray for their health. We should pray for their well-being. Pray that they will be spiritually strong. That they will grow in the faith and be what God would have them to be. You can't pray too much for your children. Pray for them, fathers. Pray for them day and night. Pray for them in the mornings when you wake up. Pray for them during the day. Pray for them at night before you go to bed. Pray God's protecting hand to be upon them and that they will do those things that are right and pleasing in the sight of God. And so a good father always prays for his, for his children. Number two, a good father gently and affectionately cares for his children. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, Paul wrote, But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. You see how he loved the church at Thessalonica? You see how that they were dear to him? They were very special. And so he said, when we were with you, we were gentle. In other words, we were mild. We were kind. You know, it's always right to be kind, isn't it? Is it ever right to be unkind? So he says, we were gentle. We were mild. We were kind. And then he said, as a nurse cherisheth her children. In other words, he nourished and he, it's kind of like a, the idea here is a nursing mom. 
You take a mom that's nursing a child, you know how she cherishes that child? She holds that baby up close to her. Her body keeps that baby good and warm and comfortable and satisfied. That's the idea. Paul said, we took care of you like a nursing mom takes care of his baby. And he said, also, we were willing to have imparted or shared unto you, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls or our own lives that can be translated. And so we see how much he, he loved them. He gently and affectionately cared for them. You know, fathers, sometimes we need to think about being kinder to our children and to show more affection, uh, be tender with them. They need that as well. You know, sometimes being a father, I could find myself being somewhat hard or rigid. Um, in the older generations, I saw some that, uh, you know, were men that very seldom would ever say to a child, I love you, and to kind of coddle and cuddle uh, those children. But those children need that. There's time for that, Father, to so just, just kind of relax a little and and you don't always have to be a guard dog. You don't always have to be in protection mode. Sometimes you can just love them and be kind to them and gentle and care and nurture them as a mother would her baby. You know, and I find that my girls never get too old for that. They want their daddy to touch them and to hug them and to hold them and, and let them gently... Uh, treat them in such a way that they feel the affection that I have for them. And grandbabies, I don't even want to get started there. But man, it's okay. Love your children. Hold your children. Touch them. They need that. And so Paul is pointing out how that a good father would gently and affectionately care for his children. Number three, a good father does not want to be a burden to his children. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6. Paul says, Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. In verse 9 he says, For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of Christ. And then over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, Paul wrote, Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves examples unto you to follow us. And so, there are some people, some parents, for whatever reason, some unacceptable, just being lazy, they choose to be a burden on their children. They choose to have their children take care of them when they could actually be taking care of themselves. And Paul says a good father doesn't do that. He doesn't want to be a burden to his children. You know, for us, I would say probably since I know you, that's the last thing you would want to do is be a burden upon your children because you would rather the burden be on you. You would rather work and labor with your hands as you can so that you can actually give and help your children. 
Well, that's what Paul's saying. Look, we set an example before you. We didn't want to burden you down. We didn't want to be a burden to you, but we labored. We worked with our hands. We stayed busy. You know, we, we uh, provided our own way so that we did not have to rely upon y'all. We could have, Paul said, we're apostles of Christ. We could have had you feed us, pay us, take care of us and all, but we didn't. We labored with our hands day and night so we wouldn't be a burden. You know, a good father does not want to be a burden to his children in any way. That does not mean that there does not come a time when the father is aged and he's unable to take care of himself. And of course, Paul taught in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it's a time, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5, there's a time when the children are to requite the parents. In other words, when the parents can no longer take care of themselves, the children are then to take care of them. But a good father, as long as he is able, the last thing he wants to do is be a burden on his children. He wants to be a blessing to his children. Number four, a good father is a good example for his children. A good example. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10. Paul says, You are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. So Paul is saying to them, as a father would say to his children, you are witnesses. And God is also of how that when we were with you, we, we were holy, we were righteous, we were devout, we were blameless. We behaved ourselves in such a way that you could follow our example and be pleasing to God. A good father always wants to be a good example for his children. That's why he has to be so careful what he says and what he does because those little ears hear everything. They pick up on things. Even when you think they're not listening. If a, your son's over doodling in the dirt or playing with a brick or a frog or a log, you know, he's, his little ears hears things that you would not even believe. And so as a father, be careful what you say. Even when your children get older, be careful. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you say about the church. If you're going to say anything negative about people, be careful what you say because they hear that. That makes an impression on their minds. You're molding them. You're forming them. So a good father wants to be a good example. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, Paul said, And ye become followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were examples of all that believed in Macedonia and Achaia. So Paul said to them that they had become followers of, of him and uh, of the Lord, of course, and that they had also received the word in much affliction. There was a lot of difficulties in that day and time. There was a lot of persecution going on. There was a lot of false teachers and false doctrines that were uh, going around, but he said to them that they became followers of him. And so a good father wants to live a life in such a way that his children can follow him because he's a good example, not, not a perfect example. And that's sometimes we get that all crossed up. Uh, no father is a perfect father except for our heavenly father. He's the only perfect one. Your father, my father, they all made mistakes. They did not always say everything the right way, do everything exactly the right way. Nor did I or you. 
you know, after you've reared your children, many times you think back and you say, oh, if I could do it over again, I would do this this way or, you know, I would, I would act this way or I would say this or not say certain things. We, we would probably all make some changes, but as we were going through that period of rearing our children, in our minds, we were striving to do the very best that we knew to do. And hopefully it was good enough to put our children on the right way that leads to heaven above. And then you encourage them to stay on the straight and narrow way. You still be an example of faithfulness before your children that you love so dear. As a good father, number five, he works with his children. He works with his children. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, Paul said, And as ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Work with those children. As Paul says, as you know, we exhorted, we comforted, we, we encouraged you. That takes effort. We charged you, we, we urged you, as a father does his children, to walk worthy of your calling. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how you ought to walk, and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. And verse 10, And indeed ye do toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. And so you work with your children. You encourage your children. Uh, you teach your children. It's so important that you teach them the Word of God. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14, Paul said, now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. You know why a lot of times that fathers do not study with their children during the day, the Word of God? Because it's work. It takes effort. And you know, many times we wait till at night because we work during the day, and you, you may have plans to sit down with your family and study at night. By the way, Father, you are to be the leaders in those Bible studies. You are to see to it that your children are being studied with, and they need to be studied with every day. But as you get to the end of the day, you get tired, and then one thing comes up, and another thing comes up, and the study just gets pushed away, and the next thing you know, you don't have a study one night, and then before long, it's two nights, you don't have Bible study with your children, then three nights, and then four. You know, it takes effort, it takes discipline, it takes work, but it is so important. One thing you'll never regret, never regret, is having Bible studies with your families every day. You'll never regret that. Make the time. Let that have priority. Make sure that you study with your children. Make sure you study with your grandchildren. If you didn't do it with your children, when your grandchildren come over, study with them. Have Bible study time every night that you possibly can because this is the Word of God that you put in their hearts is what's going to keep them on the straight and narrow path. When you take the Word of God and you teach them the Word of God, you put it in their hearts, as David said, 
that they might not sin against God. You teach them to love God through teaching them the word of God. David talked about in Psalm 119, Oh, how I love thy word. It was sweeter to his taste than honey in the honeycomb. When your children love the word of God like that, they will do what's right and pleasing in the sight of God. But it takes work. It takes effort. You've got to stick to it. You've got to stay with it. Not just teach them sitting down with a Bible in the, at night. That's a big plus. That's a good thing, and it should be done. But also, when you're with them on trips, when you're with them on vacation, when you're with them during the day, talk to them about God and His Word and the things that you've learned that God has taught you over the years in the Word. And so, a good father works with his children. He teaches his children. And number six, a good father wants to be with his children. I've seen some people, I don't think they really want to be around their children. And some of the kids I've seen, I can probably see why. I've seen some that I didn't want to be around. Uh, but that really is a parent problem, I believe, more than it is a child problem. You know, this day and time, adults just like, they let two and three-year-old kids rule their lives. Tell them what they're going to do and not going to do. And then when the parent can't figure out what to do with a five or six or seven-year-old child, then they send them off to a counselor instead of doing what God tells them to do. Do not let your children tell you the way things are going to be done. You are an adult. Father, you are to rule that house. And if you don't rule that house, uh, then you're going to have to give an account for not ruling it. But in order to do that, you've got to spend time with your children. You've got to want to be with them. I see the fathers in this congregation, I've seen you over the years, spend much time with your children and loving your children. That's a good thing. It's time that you'll never regret having spent. Time is passing by quickly. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, Paul said, But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Paul said, We had to leave, but we want to see you. We have a desire to see you. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. And there are some times when we cannot just be with our children all the time, especially when they grow up and they move away from home or when our jobs take us away and things happen. But that should not stop us from wanting to see their faces. I don't know if I get any greater joy out of anything more than when I see my little grandchildren and they see me. And I see their faces. I see that excitement. I see that they're happy to see their pawpaw. Isn't that something special? So why wouldn't we long to see their faces more often? As much as we can. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5 and also 6, Paul said, For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know of your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us, 
and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Paul rejoiced in the fact that they were still faithful in Christ Jesus. That, that's what really makes a parent happy, a father happy, is to know that his children are faithful in Christ Jesus, even when they move away from home. They're no longer under his rule and his care. They remain faithful. But then he said, just knowing that they desired to see him, Paul, as children wanting to see their father, and he had a great desire to see them face to face. Oh, what a, what a precious thing it is when we can spend time with our children. Fathers, make time for your children. One of the things that I have always appreciated the eldership that I've served under here at Fairhope and one thing that's really caused me, one of the many things to really respect them over the years, is that from day one, they always told me to be sure that I did not forsake my family. They warned about preachers getting so busy that they neglect their own families, and while they're out trying to save others, they lose their own children. I appreciate the men that always reminded me, don't forget your children spend time with those children and now I'm at a point of wanting to spend more and more time with my grandchildren and so time we should want to be with them number seven we learn from Paul in this great book of first Thessalonians that a good father rejoices in his children he rejoices in them first Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 19 and 20 Paul said, For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For ye are our glory and joy. As a father talking to his children. One of my little grandchildren, one of my daughters, was granddaughters was baptized into Christ. Uh, week four last, I believe. Baptized by her father. You know, that's one of the greatest times in a man's life. It's when he has the privilege to teach and baptize his children into Christ Jesus. You know, it was great when you obeyed the gospel. You remember the emotions and the great joy because having been lost in sin, you're freed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and you went on your way rejoicing just like the eunuch. But when you baptize your children and your grandchildren uh, into Christ Jesus, oh, what rejoicing that brings. And then to see them remain faithful, they really are your crown of rejoicing. I think about Noah all the time and how that he saved his family. Noah included, that was only eight souls, but he saved his family. That's his crown of rejoicing. And so is it when our children do that which is right and good. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 9, For what thanks we will render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. 
Don't you want to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ on the day of judgment and see all your children being able to enter in to that heavenly land? You know, sometimes life gets tough, it gets difficult, and we think, oh, it's just not worth it. But on that day, when you see your children hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou in the joy of the Lord, it will be worth it all. Oh, our children bring us great rejoicing, even more so as we hear of their faithfulness in Christ Jesus. But number eight, a good father loves his children. Uh, that is obvious. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul said, And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Paul loved the church at Thessalonica. He loved the church dearly. Are you a good father? I hope you are. Some of you are not fathers yet. You're young and shouldn't be yet because you're not married. But when you marry, hopefully God bless you with children. It's a great blessing. And I pray that, that when that happens, you will be a good father. Be the father you ought to be. If a man is not willing to do what we've talked about, to be a good father, then he doesn't need to be a father. He just doesn't need to be. But if you're going to be a father, be the best father you can be. Do you have a good father? I had a very good father. Uh, he was my best friend for many years, and I thought about him a lot this week. And, and any time that things are a little difficult, I think about my father because uh, he was my go-to person. He was the man that I would go to, and, and when I had all these, what I thought were just major problems and troubles, I would take them to him, and he would just treat it like it wasn't much of anything and tell me how to take care of it and fix it, and I'd go on my way. But he was a good father. He always listened carefully and gave wise advice. I hope you have a good father. If your father's still living, I hope he's a good father. I hope if he is a good father, you'll try to be just as good as he is a good father. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13, Paul said, To the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints. Here's something we can know for sure. We can have the greatest father of all. You may not have had a great father, a good father. You may not have had a Christian father. You may not have even had a father in your home when you were growing up. Many don't. But you know something? God wants to be your heavenly father if he's not already. If you've longed for a father, a good father, you can have a perfect father today if you'll obey the gospel. And he will go above and beyond anything you could ever imagine in loving you, working with you, providing for you, taking care of you, blessing you over and over and over again here in this life and in the life that is yet to come. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, won't you please become one? 
It's for your good. You need God. God doesn't have to have you. He wants you. He wants you to be his child. But you've got to be born again spiritually. That is, born into the family of God. The only way to be born again, John 3, 3 and 5, is to be baptized into Christ, having believed with all your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, repenting in your heart from all your sins that you've committed, turning away, Luke 13, 3, and then being baptized, uh, confessing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Matthew 10, 32, and then be baptized for the remission of your sins, Acts 2, 38. In Galatians 3, 26 and 27, the Bible says, For you are all the children of God, by faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You want to get into Christ? You want to be in the family of God? Then you have to obey the gospel. And then you will experience the greatest Father of all. He's perfect. And He always does right. If you're here and you need to respond, and we can assist you in any way, won't you come? Us together, we stand and sing.